Have you guys heard of Rakuten? It's where you can shop all your favorite stores online and make money. Yeah, you can make money. I have made thousands of dollars. Granted, I've been on it for a while, but if you're someone who's an online shopper, you need to sign up right now. And you can use my invite link. That's Rakuten, R-A-K-U-T-E-N dot com slash R slash Divina 141. Rakuten.com slash R slash Divina 141. Happy shopping and make some money. Welcome back to Divine Healing by D. The day I have on Michael Sigman. He is a facilitator and he has founded the Men's Inner Journey. It's a workshop for gay men to come and share their spiritual trauma. And uh, we're going to talk about spiritual trauma as a whole for the gay community. Uh, men's Inner Journey, just the biggest problems that uh, gay, the gay community experience right now when it comes to spirituality and faith. And it's a very moving, personal, deep episode. So I hope you guys enjoy him. So tell us about the men's inner journey. Oh, um, yeah. So that was a program I started about 30 years ago. Um, It was born out of the uh, AIDS epidemic in San Francisco. Um, when I arrived in San Francisco, uh, following the AIDS epidemic, um, the community was in pretty bad shape. Um, the suicide rate was about 50%. Uh, substance abuse was sky high. Depression was sky high. Uh, I had friends that literally were crawling up in a ball, going home, crawling up in a ball and dying. And the coroners had uh, listed their death uh, on a death certificate as psychological. Mm -hmm. Um, All of this was really confusing for me, you know, coming from a conservative environment in the Midwest. um, I wasn't even out of the closet yet myself. And I was kind of flung into all of this. Um, So I got involved uh, with a spiritual community up in Marin County um, and little by little started to learn about mindfulness, emotional release, uh, spiritual healing. And uh, eventually I started to cultivate a program uh, specifically mm-hmm. for gay men, because at that time, you know, being accused of being the ones responsible for uh, bringing AIDS into the uh, um, into society, you know, it wasn't like you could go to your local church or yeah. synagogue and expect to feel welcome. So these men had no place to go. Uh, and what I found out when I got started is that you couldn't just take a page out of men's spirituality and slap a gay flag on it and expect it to work. It just didn't work that way. Um, so what we found is that there really wasn't a text textbook or a way to approach it that had already been established. We had to, uh, you know, make our way on our own. So it was really a process of learning from experience. And so after 10 years of just listening to the men and working through the problems, a whole line of spirituality began to evolve out of it. That's great. And do you think starting the men's inner journey kind of inspired you or gave you like the push to come out yourself because you said you weren't out at that time? Uh, yes, it most definitely did, because at the time, you couldn't be in 
a city like San Francisco mm-hmm. and not be out about your sexuality. Right. Um, because so many men had died. So many men were being outed by the disease that, you know, people were encouraging everyone to come out, to kind of stand in solidarity uh, with it, but also to just, you know, get the healing going because it was that repression and that hiding that, that, you know, gave the made men uh, susceptible to the disease in the first place. Mm. So how did it feel to be like front and center and really just see uh, how the gay community did not have a place to practice the faith? Like how, how did it feel to you? You know, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. All I know is that I was going to circuit parties and we were partying a lot and we were trying to like, you know, numb our own feelings around it. Right. Yeah. So doing ecstasy, uh, which at the time, you know, the, the base fit was MDMA, which is uh, in clinical settings that was used uh, as a means uh, of treating post-traumatic stress syndrome. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's no wonder it became a drug of choice at these parties because we were coming out of a really traumatic phase in our history. And so that's how I fell into it. And that's how I met my boyfriend who lived mm-hmm. in San Francisco, which is how I got there. And um, so in the midst of all of it, as this was happening, I just was inviting my friends to come and, you know, be with us in a spiritual setting that was drug-free and sex-free to just you know, get to the root of what was going on. And I had no idea that I was even on the forefront of anything. It wasn't until 10 years later when uh, spiritual teachers and other gay elders started coming to me and saying, look, we're hearing about the work you're doing. Uh, We'd like you to get involved with us. We're all on that same, you know, as you say, front lines uh, working and, uh, you know, come join us. And that was the beautiful part of it, because when you think of the gay community, you know, you have a cross section of every aspect of humanity there. Mm-hmm. Every race, every class, every ethnic group, every religion is all represented there. And the men that show up, some of them are the absolute best and most qualified in terms of representing that for the gay community. So I opened my door and just anybody that had spiritual wisdom from any culture, anywhere, you know, that could have that, that you know, LGBTQ spin on it uh, was welcome in the circle to give their advice. And I, I, you know, ended up with like a triple PhD and, you know, in, in information around all those types of things with like a 10 year process. So it was, it was, it was wonderful to get recognized and to be able to suddenly, you know, look back and say, wow, you know, look what I learned through all this. Also like, Hey, Michael, you're so cultured now. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And I continue to keep myself really open because, you know, once in a while somebody you know, comes in and says, hey, I have something to talk to you about. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the course of a 20 minute phone call, I get a whole overview on some, you know, obscure aspect of spirituality that I didn't even know existed. And I'm like, wow, where did you get that? And they, well, went off and I studied it with this person. And I'm like, okay, wonderful. Did you find that the people that you met were already deeper into spirituality and healing modalities? Or did you think that was something you guys kind of discovered together? Oh, no, some people were light years ahead of me Mm -hmm. in that regard. There were some men, see, I didn't even know that there were already groups 
happening in the gay community because my way in through the circuit scene and the party scene was kind of a, you know, that was the unique bend. But there were already men that were in the community doing spiritual groups, but I, I wasn't aware of that. And so there was a little bit of an initiation process that I needed to go through where I realized that, that you know, when you come into it, you just can't, you just can't just put yourself, you know, in an elder role. You have to kind of, you know, earn, earn it. Yeah. yeah. And I was completely open to do that. But I had a few, you know, trials there that uh, were kind of like train wrecks for me. But in the end, I learned a lot from it. You know, I would get up and do my little grandstanding and saying, okay, I know this. And then, you know, I put it out and then it would come right back at me and hit me really hard. And I just <laughs> was like, you know, at first feeling devastated, but then I realized, oh no, this is, this is the learning process. Yeah. It's true. Was there anyone that you met that you thought you wouldn't be able to help, but you did and you were surprised? Uh, yeah, because at the time, you know, medications weren't grabbing hold yet. They right. were they were doing antiviral medications, but they weren't they weren't you know grabbing hold. They weren't mm. gaining traction, right? So the men that started coming into the work uh, were guys that were in survival mode. They didn't know if they were going to live or die. Mm. And the thing that was real interesting is that once we started you know putting testimonials out on the website and word of mouth getting around what we were doing um you know guys were writing me and saying hey this this is like my last chance oh wow like this is this is it for me my whole life depends on this experience and so i those were the things that really moved me and then of course at the end uh there was an opportunity for people uh, to share about the transformation they went through and time and time again, we'd hear that the experience saved their lives. Uh, so it wasn't, and it wasn't just me or just the, the program we had developed, uh, but it was just the collective of men coming together, be able to speak honestly and truthfully about everything and to be able to be in a container where other people understood that and were going through the same thing and there was something about the collective uh healing that that opened my eyes to understanding the meaning of spirituality which is which is basically to embody that collective spirit you know it, it was like uh, so many of us were just fixated on the sexual component of it but then i realized that you know sexuality and spirituality are like two sides of the same coin in mm. terms of one gives rise to the other but if you are are you if you're traumatized around your sexuality in an early age you don't get past it so no. you get fixated of it on it you you obsess on it and then suddenly you know you have this whole spiritual dimension that you're meant to transcend to but you don't and it's not until you're in that collective environment where your wounds become the wounds of everyone else that you get released from that obsession that fixation and then suddenly boom you transcend and i think that's one of the things around what ecstasy did the mdma mm -hmm. at these circuit parties is that it helped helped us to see that but you're doing it with a drug and you don't yeah. want to be relying on a drug to give you something that you should have felt naturally so the big thing was to remove the drugs and and that those means of escape to get us to look at okay what do we what type of healing do we need to create for ourselves so that we can transcend that wow so i was wondering about the big 
like in your opinion what do you think is like the biggest problem when it comes to spirituality and faith that gay men experience is it being brought up in a very suffocating religious household could that could that be it is it because when they're told nonstop, hey you know this is against our religion this is against our rules that they don't want to they want to just rebel and go against it could it be the way they're brought up well, it's it's a combination of things. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that happens is that at a young age, there are five things we need to 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 understand, right, okay. for us to exist independently on our own world, and they're just the five basic needs. You know, mm-hmm. air, food, water, sleep, and connection, right? Yep. And by the time we're twelve years old, we've been on our first date, we've had our first kiss, we've got a sense of holding mm-hmm. hands and what it's like to have boyfriends or girlfriends. And mm-hmm. while all the other kids are are moving through that understanding of developing a sense of connection in life as that sexual energy becomes activated, you know, gay people don't have that. Right. Know, they're in environments where that's not allowed. So they don't mm-hmm. get to feel that activation happening naturally for themselves. So then later in life, they have to come back and sort of make up for that. And so that's one of the things that sort of sort of trips it. But the other aspect is just the lack of, of purpose. Mm. Right? There's a sense around where, you know, this idea of procreation and that sex is biological, that that gets in and it, 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 it's very confusing because uh, when gay people have sex, it's, it's driven by a need for connection. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's, an, it's an energetic phenomenon. Yeah. It, has, it has very little to do with the biology of things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so when we look at, at the fact that, that our sexuality kind of puts us along uh, in, in that direction, in that trajectory, there's not anything in the world in terms of religion or, or mentorships and things like that that help to help us to understand the purpose of that in life, right? And mm-hmm. and for somebody who focuses purely on connection in the world, I find myself sensitive to how all the people around me are connecting. And that's one of the things of why my work, uh, you know, I'm able to help so many people on, on so many different levels, uh, LGBTQ and, and heterosexual alike, is that that intuitive sense of connection. I can yeah. sense and feel when they're connected to themselves and when they're not. I can sense how they're not connected to each other. And, uh, you know, a lot of my work now has branched into the straight community where helping heterosexual couples uh, relate to each other, you know, the re- reactions that I've gotten from them over the years is that in time, they've, their relationships have improved, the environment for conceiving, birthing and raising kids have improved as well. Amazing. So, so suddenly there's a sense of like going, oh my gosh, there is this purpose there. But because our society for, for you know, centuries or maybe millennia have been so fixated on procreation and bringing more babies in the world, right? You have a population under a billion and a, a life expectancy of, of 30 years old. Of course, the whole idea of politics and economics and everything is get people married and get them making babies to the point where suddenly that's everything. And if you're falling outside of that, there must be something wrong with you today you know with the population at you know close to 7.5 billion and life expectancy of of 75 or 80 mm-hmm. procreation is not as important right it's not it, we don't need to be making more babies to to uh 
you know, make life sustainable for humans. Right. right now, it is about the connection. It is about our relationship to one another and working together to, to do things to help the planet and help the environment and get people working together. So suddenly now our roles are being called into action more to be the ones that are the connectors within the matrix. And we're in the process as LGBTQ people uh, of discovering what that is, right? I, I don't want to mm-hmm. say a claim the truth. I'm just going in and just, you know, <laughs> from my experience, what people have told me, just using that as a modality, as a way to get people feeling their sense of purpose in the world. So they have more, more confidence as they interact with people in their life. That's great. So what is the biggest point or the biggest points that you teach uh, the, the people that you're training to be facilitators? Uh, the biggest point, um, well, it's really looking at the impact that the repression of energy mm-hmm. on a sexual level has on a person's overall sense of connection. Right. You know, we, we don't think of sexuality and spirituality as being directly connected, but they are. Yeah. Your, your, your sense of spirit, you know, as a, as a form of energy, your spirit seeks connection to survive. And while you don't have to engage in sexual activity to actually feel that connection, right? You don't want to be in a mindset where you're trying to suppress it in a way where you're being angry or violent toward it to try to make it go away because if you do that it causes you stress and just like denying yourself any of the any of the you know five needs in life air food water sleep connection if you if you go without any of those things for a long period of time or the quality of what you have is diminished in some way it causes the body stress and when stress hormones become elevated and stay elevated uh, it actually drowns out the firing of synapses we depend on to feel connected in our lives right so then suddenly now that lack of connection over time it's 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 people don't realize that your perception of the world is like when you're born it's high definition the colors are bright you know the sounds are crisp everything is an adventure you know just being in the moment is satisfying but when you start to repress that energy and the firing of synapses that that experience of the world it's like going from high definition to low definition the pixels Mm. of resolution start to drop out and suddenly the sounds are muted the colors are not as bright your experience if what you feel taste and smell and and sense uh gets diminished and suddenly there's a need to try to compensate so we get in a place where we start seeing well maybe if i get this this will make me happier i'll need Mm. this and this and then what we find is that people just aren't uh happy with just being in their bodies in the moment. So I think that one of the big things around facilitation is to get a sense for that on an energetic level and to get down and help them to first release the stuck energy right, to clear that out through emotional release. And mm-hmm. then the next thing is to reframe the trauma for them because the spiritual process, you know, the hero's journey is all about, uh, you know, getting over an obstacle you know, that you're, you're born with, right? It's like that you come mm-hmm. into a life situation and you've got a trauma you're dealing with and it presents a challenge. And that is what spirituality is. That's that sense of getting over that obstacle so that you can embody the energy you were born to embody. Uh, so I, I think that that's kind of, you know, the premise of which I approach facilitation. That's great. And do you ask for feedback after the workshops? Uh, yes, I, I, 
I, I mean, the workshops that I do. The workshops that you do, like, do you ask for feedback? And I want, I'm curious to know, like, what's the uh, major, maybe complaint that you get from the uh, people in the workshop that they'd rather see or something different? Hmm. I, you know, I don't know that I get any complaints. I mean, I've certainly nice. have done uh, surveys and okay. the surveys have all come back uh, fairly, you know, pretty positive. Um, so, you know, I can't really say that, you know, there's ever been any complaints. Um, That's great. That's good. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I, you know, and I have testimonials uh, like just stacks of testimonials that people um, you know, and it's, it's, it's an environment where it gets you in tune with that, uh, you know, with that vulnerability, that, that softness inside. And I think that when people have a chance to experience that, they, the only thing that's going to come out of them is just a lot of love and, and appreciation Aww, and gratitude. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so there's, and, and again, it's not a claim to truth, right? This right. Is, you know, the idea is to get present and when you're present, your mind is quiet. And when your mind's quiet, you feel a sense of inner peace and connectedness right so our work is really not to try to say this is how it's supposed to be but rather mm -hmm. to find an avenue in and the lgbtq community uh has it's you know being able to offer avenues in for them that's you that's unique to them and addresses their needs and aligns with what they've gone through right mm -hmm. is is really the key to the work and then once they're able to get to that place of inner peace and quiet mind and then i've done my work you know yeah that's, that's really it because you don't need to believe anything after that your mind's quiet you're home you know <laughs> do you discuss or do you get into maybe in the workshops or just with people in general like how spiritual trauma can manifest into physical trauma and make us sick do you get into that at all or uh well we what the key is is to get them to see that it's just about energy it's mm -hmm. not about right or wrong or bad or good right it's just about the repression of energy and when energy gets stuck in the body there's a thing called carryover mm -hmm. uh, carryover is when a wound does not get resolved right you have right. this emotional trauma you repress it you put it down and then what happens is that the ego being the protector that it is will will shift the person's behavior to avoid that trauma of ever happening again and at the time that's the right approach. That's a conscious competence. You're making decision not to put yourself in that situation because you know how harmful it is. So your ego is doing the right thing. But then in time, it's robbed you of something. There's, there's something you're not doing uh, that you need to do. And in time, you begin to see that, oh my God, I need to change this behavior. So you adapt another behavior that goes counter to that original behavior. Mm -hmm. And what happens is, is that that layering starts, right? You yeah. have this initial wound, you have a way of being, you deal with that way of being, but that, that becomes outdated. You take on a new way of being, then that one becomes updated and you take on another one. And before you know it, when you're 30, 40 years old, you've got this impulse happening on a deep subconscious level that is driving everything and you're going through you're having to go through all these layers just to get to who you're you know the person is that you need to be now and you can't be present with any of that and the other thing that happens is that the carryover attracts the people in the situations to you to to trigger that trauma 
So every day you're kind of a magnet where you're, you're, the gravity that you put out is to pull those traumatic situations or situations in that remind you of that trauma. So the key with the healing is to get down to see that and to realize, oh, we can let that go. We can let that part of ourselves that is still wounding and living in that time uh, space reality that was created way back then. We can release them from that. You can have the emotions, right? We can mm -hmm. reframe it. And then what happens is, is the carryover begins to diminish, right? It's the wounding uh, little by little that that gas tank that that's running that engine goes empty and eventually it's not there anymore right so then you're 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 able to be more present and and mindful in life as a result yeah so young michael did he see himself doing this is he surprised now when he's in a workshop and he's watching all these connections we made and people healing does he go wow Look at me. <laughs> How'd I get uh, here? Is it a surprise? Well, I, you know, that's the other thing that you learn is you don't get caught up in it. Mm -hmm. Because one, one evening when people are like just overflowing with gratitude, right. they're, they're crying in front of you and saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and mm -hmm. in that moment, you, you could, your ego could easily latch on to this idea that you've done this amazing thing. Yes. Look at you, right? But then the next day you're out on the street and some person spits at you, right? And, mm -hmm. you're, and suddenly now you're not mm -hmm. in that high anymore. You're now in a low. And the lows and the highs are they balance each other. So what I've learned is that you need to stay present. That when mm -hmm. the when the gratitude's there, take in the gratitude and let it move through you like anything else. But when it's over, it's over. You're just back to being present and being here. It doesn't mean anything. Right. And then the lows that come, you know, where you're in situations where suddenly now you're not being, you know, mm -hmm. you're not getting the respect or whatever you think you should be getting because you've done this amazing thing, right? You, you don't go down with it. You just see that in the same way that you see, you know, the high. And, you know, as, as my teachers have taught me, you know, Michael, which would you choose if you had to choose between the high of it all and the low of it all, which would you choose? Well, you know, my ego, I would want to choose the high, but the, the answer to an enlightened person is I choose neither, not the high or the low. I see it for what it is and I mm -hmm. let it move. And as long as I'm staying fully present with the group, then I'm not, I'm not getting, I'm not getting taken down into my own stuff. Right. Well said. I love that. So where do you see yourself in the next five years with your program? Anything else you want to tackle? Well, you know, it's interesting that you bring this up today because a few years ago, I, I actually gave up doing the men's inner journey. I, mm -hmm. uh, I, I finally uh, had decided to turn that page. And then the, uh, the pandemic started mm -hmm. and those two things seemed to coincide uh, nicely for me because now I'm in the process of uh, rethinking of all that and realizing that's a chapter of my life that I can now let go because the AIDS epidemic is no longer right. you know, an epidemic, right? Men yeah. are, are no longer in survival mode. That is a time and a place that happened and it's over, but there's a lot of jewels, gold nuggets of wisdom that have come out of it. So I'm Definitely. in the process of, of writing a book as a kind of way to sort of embody all of that. And then to, to uh, move on because I realized that, that now uh, my work is in, is dealing with people from all walks of life. And that uh, this, this feels like that was a good training and experiential 
process that I went through that gave me some a, a unique wisdom and a new unique way of coming at spirituality. And now my work is to just bring that in the world because we all have that desire for connection. Like yeah. We all have it and we all on some level have repressed it. And I'm finding that the wounding is the same with everyone. So, um, you know, right now where I'm at is just is to uh, broaden uh, my approach to things. And my hope is that uh, when the pandemic eases up, or at least we get the kind of protocols in place where we feel like we <laughs> are no longer in, you know, a, an infection mode or, or yeah. state that, that I'll be able to get back to the uh, hands-on work again. Amazing. So who influences you? Oh my goodness. There's so many teachers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Osho uh, early yes. on in the late eighties okay. was just a huge teacher. And while I didn't actually go to India for that, I went to India later uh, and studied with the Oneness University, which was Aman Bhagavan. Uh, but since then, there's been Gangaji, there's been Adi Ashanti, there's been Leonard Jacobson, mm. Byron Katie. Uh, these are all people that have, you know, inspired me along the way. Uh, Leonard Jacobson was a big uh, a big influence in my life. Also, uh, Michael Schieser with the Inner Journey seminars. Uh, mm -hmm. He was my first mentor and uh, he had studied uh, abroad and spent time with Osho. And when he made it to the United States uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s, I met him in a program I was in, at, uh, involved with. And uh, he actually helped me to get this all started and off the ground. But of course, he came from a heterosexual orientation and his, mm -hmm. his work was men's spirituality. He knew coming in that while it you know, created a framework for to work from, we would have to change it and evolve yes. and adapt it to the type of energy that, that, that gay men possess and specific to the, the kind of wounding that they, they had experienced. Yeah, but it was good to have that other side to kind of just see where everything is connected and different. I think that was probably very helpful. Oh, yes. And there were a number of teachers, people that got into that that training with me at the time that, that have been huge inspirations in, in my life. Uh, Rajo and Britta and other people that uh, are out there in the world working and um, just... Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm uh, forever indebted to those people um, very much. Well, they seem to really just impact your whole story and your whole life, and it was really nice to talk to you about it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Michael. Can you tell everybody where to find you if they'd like to talk to you, reach out to uh, you? Yeah, you can go to michaelsigmund.com. Uh, so that's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-S-I-G-M-A-N-N. Dot com uh, and just go to my website and they can uh, right now I'm on hiatus up in Traverse City, Michigan, which is mm -hmm. where my family's from. And I'm taking care of things up here with family and getting reconnected. But I'm also okay. seeing clients and teaching classes up here. So sounds good. Thank you so much, Michael. Again, I'll be in touch with you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Davina. Blessings. Blessings. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to give you a friendly reminder. If you like what you're listening to, if you like my content, if you like my podcast episodes, I'd really appreciate ratings on Apple, reviews, subscribe, share to your friends, family, anyone you really think would benefit it. And thank you always for the support.
Back to Sherry in a second, but I just wanted to talk about my favorite vitamins by Mary Roots. I love to have the apricot, peach, and mango vitamin D gummies. They are delicious. And I know everybody has seen all these influencers getting these lymphatic drainage massages. Why not start with an amazing supplement in drop form? The lymphatic drops are also awesome. And I just got some new products that I'm going to try that I'm excited to, um, you know, implement into my diet. And if you guys want a code, it's Mary Ruth. You just go to their website, Mary Ruth Organics. It's an amazing company. It's all vegan, all natural, delicious. Use code Mary Ruth at checkout for a discount.